Hey, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Canfield, Director of Next Steps here at Berean Baptist Church in Mansfield, Ohio. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you. Um, if you need prayer, if you want to connect with us, check out our website at BereanFamily.com. It has all the stuff on there that you want to know about Berean, our events, prayer, whatever it might be. Check it out. Here's today's sermon. Last week, we, uh, we did a series, we're in a series in the book of James. Um, somebody had grabbed me in the hallway saying just how much they love this book and that love the, the study, the book of James. It's so practical. There's so much in it for our lives. And, and uh, James really does give us, it kind of reads like, a, like the book of Proverbs in some, in some senses. And uh, this series is, to, is designed to help us as collectively but also as individually to be the church. What needs to change in our lives? What do we need to be doing in order to really be a full functioning body of Christ because friends our world needs it desperately doesn't it so we last week we were in chapter three and uh, discussing taming the tongue Uh, it was one of those uh, messages that I was preaching to myself throughout um, and it just it seems like that's every week in James by the way that I'm just preaching to myself so hopefully one of you got something out of that as well Um, I certainly got something out of the study Uh, But James talks about taming the tongue, and and then there's a bridge towards the end of chapter 3, and we're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes, Uh, and before we talk about another battle that is common to all of us. Um, The the book of James, while it's like Proverbs, it's a little bit different as there is is a kind of natural flow, or sometimes with Proverbs, you can kind of go to one chapter to the other, and you get like individual snippets of wisdom. This is kind of a flow throughout uh, James. But I want to talk about that bridge in just a couple of moments. Um, Does anybody here ever have battles in their life? Right? Just getting here on Sunday morning sometimes can be a battle, can't it? You know? Um, I don't want to say that Ohio people are soft. Um, I just kind of did. I mean, wintertime, I remember when I first got here. They talked about closures for snow days. And I said, what? You, you close on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night because of snow? Well, yeah, we have to because it's snow. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how much snow are we talking? I don't know, three, four inches? What? For those of you who don't know, I moved here from Alaska and we would not have church all winter long if we were going to do that. In fact, I looked uh, in the news, Anchorage, Alaska, in a two-week period, got half of their average snowfall uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, suckers, you know? <laughs> but I remember, you talk about a battle, I remember driving through Anchorage. Now, all of Alaska, obviously, you get a lot of snow, but something happens in Anchorage. When it snows in Anchorage, nobody stops driving on the roads and everybody, it seems to be able to beat the snow plows onto the road. So you get the snow pack, right? And it's like late October to like middle of April throughout Anchorage. I'm not making this up. You're driving on snow on paved roads. And then that snow gets really bumpy. It's not fun. And it's a real battle. And it can be super dangerous. One morning, I was driving my girls to uh, school. And it was kind of on the other side. This is when we still lived in Anchorage. Uh, we lived in West Anchorage, and their school is in East Anchorage, so you had to drive all the way through the city, and uh, we had one of those days where, quite honestly, we would be closed down here for a week, with, and they just had school. They're like, it's Alaska, just come to school. 
So we're driving on their way, and I was driving at the time a Jeep Wrangler, and um, I'm in the right lane of a four-lane road, and I see this oncoming pickup truck start to kind of fishtail. And I had very little time, and I just kind of turned a little bit to avoid a total head-on collision. Uh, we got hit pretty hard. Um, it, it's, it, it actually explains a lot. If you hear me stutter, <laughs> I called Kelly. I, I wish she was. She's at the next service today. But I called Kelly probably five or six times, and I said, hey, hey, Kel, we were in a car accident. <laughs> she said by the fourth time, she started to get worried. She's like, yeah, Dan, you've called me four times already to tell me you're in a car accident. And it, it was just, that was an extreme example, but what a battle it was in the wintertime just to get across town and how dangerous it could be. The truth of the matter is our life is filled with different battles. It just is. You know, so, some people battle things like, big things like addiction, and that battle never really fully goes away. It's a fight forever. We all battle something. I talk sometimes about besetting sin, what a besetting sin is. It's one that you just can't get past, or it's, it seems like it really has its grips on you. All of us have those, and it's a battle. It's a battle. Last week, talking about taming the tongue, friends, it's a battle. And oftentimes, we forget that we're in the middle of it until we've done or said something that we shouldn't have. Then comes conviction, and then you think about what had happened, and you go, I didn't even think about the battle I was in, and I, and I failed because of it. If you're thinking, yes, this is true for me, I want you to look around the room because it's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. Friends, this is one of the reasons why we need to have grace with one another. Man, I wish grace was my, my, the first thing I went to when things aren't going right. I wish grace was always my landing place. But sometimes it takes a little bit of time to get there as I battle my flesh. Anybody else say you're not alone, Pastor? Somebody please. <laughs> we're going to be, like I said, in James chapter 4 today, and we're going to be talking about our battle. This is our common battle as followers of Christ. And I'm going to say that this battle is at the root of all of the other battles that we end up having to fight. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this family. God, we say Berean family so often that it could become like white noise, but Lord, we thank you because this really does feel like a family. We thank you that there are people here that we can love that love us too. God, we thank you that you would allow us to grow in grace as we learn to abide in you. God, we thank you for that truth that you want us to draw near to you, to not just be obedient because we have to, but be obedient as a natural expression of having been close to you. God, how sweet that is. Lord, as we go to your word and learn to attempt to learn to be more like you, God, I pray that your spirit will just speak today. Not only will your spirit speak, but your spirit will, will open our ears so that we may hear. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, James chapter 4. I'm going to read the first uh, three verses real quick, and then we're going to jump in. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Again, last week I preached the message from James chapter 3 in the beginning of the uh, uh, chapter, the first several verses of James chapter 3, on the taming of the tongue. Uh, If you weren't here, go back, you can watch that online. Uh, The one part of James 3 that we didn't cover is the end of James 3. And and the the end of James 3, the last few verses, 13 to 18, which we're going to go back and look at quickly, it, it serves kind of as a bridge between the taming of the tongue and today's text that we're going to look at. Uh, So let's take a real quick look at James 3, verses 13 through 18. It says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James in here, he gives us a kind of a contrast between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. In godly wisdom, there's meekness and purity and peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Have you ever talked to somebody who's just not reasonable? Yeah, I have have a, a, a saying that my family knows well. You can't make sense out of nonsense. You don't debate somebody who's not reasonable. You're just wasting your time. But godly wisdom allows us to be open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Friends, these are all things that we would like to attain in our lives. I'm sure of it. This comes from godly wisdom. What about worldly wisdom? It's unspiritual and worse, James says, demonic demonic and what does it produce it produces disorder in every vile practice so what does the ability to tame the tongue and walk in godly wisdom have to do with one another well they both come from fighting and winning the same battle and that's what we're going to be talking about today our big idea this morning is this we all fight the same battle and the keys to victory are humility and submission to God. Friends, we all fight the same battle, every one of us. And if we're fighting the same battle, we want to know how to win, right? The keys to victory are humility and submission to God. First point is this, there is a battle that rages within us all. And it's a real battle. And there are real consequences. Eternal consequences. When we talk about a battle that rages within us all, we probably think about the battle for our minds. And that's real, isn't it? 
There's a battle for your mind. What are the things that you think about? The Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. Why do you think that's important? Because our sin nature, maybe, and how we can go from bad to worse. My glasses have never been more dirty, and I'm like, I'm looking for something, and I'm, anyways, I'm, I'm reading through a cloud today. There's a battle for my attention sometimes. <laughs> it's not easy, this battle for our minds. The fact is, particularly in today's world, we are inundated with distractions, aren't we? Things that can draw our attention and, and take and, and keep our attention and keep us from thinking about those things that are holy and honoring and glorifying to God. Social media companies can have learned to basically read our minds as they show images, as they read what your eyes are doing. Did you know that? And they start feeding your flesh what your flesh wants. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because that flesh is your enemy in this battle. And the more you feed that enemy in this battle, the harder it is going to be to defeat him. Today, again, I want to talk about a common battle that we all must fight. A battle that wages uh, not just for our minds, but also for our hearts. And that's the battle for our devotion. Again, verses 1 through 3 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Oh, you're the best, thank you. Talk amongst yourselves, why? I'm not going to lie, when I said that, I was hoping somebody would get up and hand me something. I guess I could have just asked, but this way it was, anyways. All right, I can see. All right, I'm going to start over. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now James, after writing about taming your tongue in chapter 3, now is getting to the root cause. Why you need to tame your tongue. Why your tongue seems to have a mind of its own sometimes. We're getting to that root cause in today's battle. The thing that causes quarrels among us, it's the passions at war within us. The thing that causes quarrels among us is the passions at war within us. What passions is James referring to? It's about the spirit within us and our flesh fighting it out for our submission and devotion. And far too many of us, far too often, submit to the flesh. I spoke earlier about feeding, the social media kind of feeding that, that fleshly part of you, the earthly part of you. And how the more you allow yourself to be fed in the ways of this world, the harder it is going to be to defeat that foe. There's an old, I've heard this I don't know how many times, I'm guessing it has to be a Southern Baptist pastor from a long time ago that came up with this analogy, but he talks about two dogs being exactly alike in every, in every way. You, you, you decided to fight these dogs. I don't recommend this, I'm saying. All right, I'm not, I'm not saying fight dogs, by the way. 
You decide to fight these dogs in three months' time. These are fighting dogs. One of the dogs you feed every day. You give it raw meat. It eats well. Every day you take it out, you exercise it. You move it around. You, you, you train it. You work with it. While the other dog stays locked up in a small confined area, fed just enough to survive. Three months go by and the fight starts. Which dog do you think wins? It's the dog that was prepared for the battle. Friends, there are two dogs fighting it out within every single one of us. And you want to know which one's going to win? It's going to be the one that you feed. It's going to be the one that you discipline. It's going to be the one that you train and give attention to. It's true for all of us. The result of submitting to our flesh, James says, unfulfilled desires, covetousness, fighting, and unanswered prayer. Which one of those would you like to have in your life? We know what's good for us. We know what's good for the people around us. Let's start feeding the right dog. Let's start feeding the spirit within us. As I read this, there was something that was like this parallel that kind of jumped off the page that I didn't see earlier as I've read this text before. And um, I'm just going to, it's not really in my notes, but I want to jump back real quickly to Psalms 37. So um, if you have your Bible, this won't be on the screen. I just want to read this real quick. So Psalm 37 I love. If, if you ever uh, come to me for counsel about a decision that you need to make, I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to say turn your Bible to Psalm 37. Turn your Bible to Psalm 37. I'll show you why. Starting at verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, does that sound like feeding the right dog in your life? The spirit? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Reading on. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Now, I want to talk about that just really briefly here and how that pertains to our text today. Again, the result of submitting to our flesh, unfulfilled desires, covetousness, fighting, and unanswered prayer. Submitting to Christ, dwelling with him, committing your way to him, um, um, to him, he gives you what? The desires of your heart, and then he makes them come to fruition. Do you see that? Do you see how being a follower of Christ and dwelling with him, submitting to him, is the most fulfilling life you could possibly live? As he gives you the desires of your heart and then sees them through to fruition, it's so much better. It's so much better than the alternative. Yet the enemy deceives us, and we are all too easy to be deceived, all too willing to be deceived. Friends, we all fight the same battle, and the keys to victory are humility and submission to God. My next point is, comes in the form of a question. That is this, who does your heart belong to? God doesn't just want your mind. 
He wants your heart. Who does your heart belong to? For those of you who are married, do you remember when you first got together with your spouse? Guys, do you remember asking your, your, asking your wife now to be your girlfriend a long time ago? Remember those feelings, those emotions? How scared you were? You're all, no, I wasn't scared at all. <laughs> Short memories, my friends. All the insecurities, thinking, man, there's no way she's going to say yes. I think she likes me, but I'm not sure. You remember that story of how you first got together with your wife? Do you remember the story of when you asked her to be your wife? If you don't, I bet you she does. The sweetness of that new relationship. How nice that was. Do you remember how you met your spouse? The way I met Kelly, I don't think I've shared this story because I probably shouldn't. The way I met Kelly was not, it was, okay, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. <laughs> Which I may not share at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I went to this high school, and I, I went there to play football. It was a private school, and a lot of the kids there had a lot of money. And back in like 1993, there was a kid who I couldn't stand. He had a brand new Jimmy. Remember those GMC Jimmys? 93 had a brand new GMC Jimmy, a high schooler, a, a, um, might have been junior in high school. And you know what else he had in that GMC Jimmy? A stinking car phone. In 93, a 16-year-old punk kid, and it's, you know, the briefcase ones? Yeah. He had one of those phones. Anyways, I was stuck at a basketball game, and he was, he was probably a really nice kid, but I just didn't like him. And he's like, hey, do you need a ride home? I was like, sure. We get in his car, and he's like, hey, uh, this girl just broke up with me. You want to call and prank her? Sure. I didn't like this kid. I'm not kidding. I called right then and made a date with Kelly in front of the kid she just broke up with. <laughs> so last week when I said, hey, who is smooth talker here? My wife shouldn't have rose her hand. <laughs> if you can't be good looking, be good talking. Am I right? <laughs> I shouldn't have shared that story. <laughs> We haven't, deacons haven't finished my review. This is not going to be good. When you become a couple, there, there's an understanding. They used to call it going steady, right? What does that mean? That means I'm committing to some way to you that you are going to be my only one. Right? That it's just me and you now. That it's just me and you. You don't have to worry about me going out and, 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 and cheating and being a cheater and finding somebody else. Friends, when you accepted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you committed to serve Him and only Him. Above all else, Jesus does not want to share our devotion. Verses 4, and nine, four through 9 in James chapter 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is, of, it is no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us, but He gives more grace. 
Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. This sounds awfully harsh, does it not? I get the feeling that James feels what he's writing. It's a battle all of us are fighting. James calls his readers adulterous people. While that's harsh, it's well-deserved. We think back for those of us who study Scripture, and as you read through the Old Testament, it's easy to look at the nation of Israel and go, what are you thinking? A generation, two generations, and you forget the Lord who saved you. If we're honest, it doesn't take a generation or two for us. Sometimes it just takes an event. And we momentarily forget the one who saved us. He says, you adulterous people. Friends, our God is a jealous God. Exodus 34, 14 says this, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He expects our devotion. He expects us to be single-minded, not double-minded. Giving Him our devotion and Him alone. Friends, <clears throat> there is no middle ground here. There is no middle ground here. Jesus is your Lord or Satan is. Well, that's, that's rough, isn't it? When we choose to submit to God, here's, here's God's grace. When we choose to submit to God, what will Satan do, does the text say? He will flee from us. You can't just wring your hands and say, this is an impossible fight that I cannot ever see victory in. When you choose to submit to Jesus, when you choose to follow him, when you desire to dwell with him, Satan will flee from you. The text says, draw near to God. By the way, I, as we are listening to this song and the, the set this morning and the text that Pastor Isaiah read, I started to giggle a little bit because um, we, we have this thing called Planning Center and it shows the uh, order for the church, for the services. And when I was writing my sermon, I had accidentally looked at next week's order. So I had no idea some of the songs that he was going to sing or the text that he was going to read. Drawing near to God indicates that he desires an intimate closeness with you. And I have down here next John 15, uh, verses 4 through 7, which Pastor Isaiah read, but I'm going to read it again. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Think back again to Psalm 37. It's a promise that comes up over and over in Scripture. Again, notice the last line in the text. 
Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Not only do you compare that to Psalm 37, but compare it to James 4.3 that says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Our motivations matter. Not just what we're doing, but why we want to do them. And I said it before, I'm going to say it again. Friends, there is no more fulfilling life than when we live our lives committed to giving our hearts to Christ and Christ alone. There is nothing more fulfilling. Again, we all fight the same battle, and the keys to victory are humility and submission to God. Our last point is this. Once again, humility for the win. Humility for the win. It's embarrassing to think of the times in my life when I have thought I have had everything under control. Now, I probably would never have said it, but I acted like it. Getting up in my day, facing some sort of obstacle and not stopping and praying and asking God for wisdom and discernment first. Acting like I've got this on my own. It's embarrassing to think how many problems I caused because of that. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful for the Lord's gentle rebuke when these things happen. I'm grateful for his gentle reminder. It sure beats being publicly humble. The simple truth is this. We are far too prideful, and our pride gets in the way of living a life that is honoring to God. As I was looking through this text and thinking about this, this, this idea of becoming too puffed up, too prideful, what we end up doing is putting ourselves in the place where God belongs. Can you think of a biblical person or character or being that made the same mistake? Satan put himself, thought he could be God. It's the same sin. I've got a short video um, I'm going to play. It's only just a, maybe a little bit over a minute long, um, talking about the dangers of pride. So go ahead and put that on the screen if you have that pulled up. A rabbi, a monk, and a pastor walk into a church. We've all heard these kind of jokes before. They poke fun at stereotypes. The monk has a cross, the rabbi has a beard, and the minister, he wears expensive shoes. Now before we dismiss this as just another childish joke, take a look at Luke 18, where Jesus starts a parable in almost exactly this way. Let's read. A Pharisee and a tax collector walk into the temple to pray. Sound familiar? Jesus continues. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. <clears throat> oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, have mercy, forgive me, a lousy sinner. Maybe Jesus paused here and looked around at the crowd, giving them a few seconds to figure out where he was going with this. Then he finished. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For most of us, this would be our mic drop moment. And while Jesus isn't afraid to call people out, he isn't doing it for TikTok views. He wants to give people life, 
and he knows that no matter how righteous we think we are, pride is lurking, ready to drag us back down to death. It's a simple parable with a clear message. Pride puts us in a place only God can be, and those who seek it out will be humble. But when we humble ourselves before God, He graciously invites us to join Him in His glory. This is a simple little video to remind us again that our motivations matter. Doing all those things that the Pharisees did, they were doing some of the things that they were supposed to do, but their motivations were wrong. James 4, 10 through 17, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you, are a judge, if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and destroy But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord appears for a little time, I'm sorry, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Friends, in order to win this war between our spirit that's within us and our flesh, we must humble ourselves before the Lord. Yes, we need to discipline ourselves and we need to practice all of those spiritual disciplines, but the beginning of that is humility and humbling ourselves before God. We don't want to make the same mistake that Satan has made. Here's the simple truth, guys. Every single one of us, one day, will bow our knee before God. You will be humbled before Jesus. I hope you make that decision before heaven. I hope you make that decision before you stand before God. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Friends, if you want to be humbled, think a moment about the cross. The sheer brutality of the cross. The devastation of the cross. The humiliation of the cross. The pain of the cross. All of that was for you, but God sent His Son to come take it on for you. Now we boast in something? How can we stand before God and boast? Knowing what He has done for us. But it's not just what He has done for us. It's what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to ask you as I read just a couple of verses here to go ahead and stand as we're getting ready to close. This I don't think will be on the screen either, but Revelation chapter 5. Verses 1 through 14. Then I saw, and while I read this, I want you to think about what it's going to feel like in this moment in the future. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne 
a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowls of full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Friends, if you're having a hard time with humility, I just want you to ask you to do one thing. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Would you join us in a song?